Hi, I'm Ronnie Cox, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for our 400th episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. And this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with the guests from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on our 400th show, Ronnie Cox is going to be joining us. Of course, he was in Deliverance, Robocop, Stargate, SG-1, Total Recall, St. Elsewhere, Beverly Hills Cop 1, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Apple's Way, so many others. And he's also a singer and songwriter, and he has a new album out. It is called Inish Free, and it's a tribute to the Enchanted Way. And not only is Ronnie Cox going to be here, we also are going to be looking at what's coming our way in theaters and on Blu-ray and DVD in March. So stick around. We've got a lot to go through this week, so I hope you're going to be sticking around for Ronnie Cox coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So what do you say? We've got a lot, like I said, to go through, and let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, what's coming your way in theaters in March as far as remakes well there is one and this one goes back to 1943 when it was a book in 1974 they had it as a movie so it's going from the books to the big screen and once again into the big screen and it's called the little prince and it has an all-star cast lending their voices and it's going to bring that story to life on march 18th jeff bridges rachel mcadams paul rudd Paul Giamatti, and so many others are going to be involved with this one. Be sure to check that out. And that's it for Remake Madness coming your way in theaters in March. Next on On Screen or Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Upcoming new movies in theaters in March. It looks like Term Life with Vince Vaughn and Haley Steinfeld will be arriving on March 1st. Now, if you've seen the posters for this one, Vince Vaughn does not look like Vince Vaughn. So this should be interesting. And Disney Zootopia arrives on March 4th. You can look for Christian Bale and Natalie Portman to star in Night of Cups on March 4th. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. That one arrives on March 4th with Tina Fey. And on March 11th, Sasha Baron Cohen stars as a spy in the Brothers Grimsby. And 10 Cloverfield Lane stars John Goodman. It arrives on March 11th. March 25th, I Saw the Light. It tells the story of Hank Williams. And you can look out because on March 25th, 
It's here, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. And that is it for upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in March. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as sequels in theaters in March, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, as far as sequels coming your way in theaters in March, London Has Fallen on March 4th continues the story of Olympus Has Fallen, which uh, starred Gerard Butler. And on March 18th, the Divergent series Allegiant arrives to continue the franchise. And My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 lands in theaters on March 25th. And that's it for Sequel City of uh, sequels coming your way in theaters in March. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in March. TV shows coming your way on DVD in March. On March 1st, The Americans, Season 3, The Bold Ones, and The New Doctors, The Complete Series, Silk, Season 2, Strike Back, Season 4. March 8th, you can look for Community, Season 6. Hogan's Heroes, The Complete Series, Manhattan, Season 2. And Rookie Blue, Season 6. March 15th, Cedar Cove, Season 3. Chips, Season 4. And The Nanny, Season 6. March 18th, Canon, Season 1 will be coming your way. March 22nd, Fear of the Walking Dead, Season 1, Special Edition. And Little House on the Prairie, Deluxe Remastered Edition, Season 8 will be coming our way. Perry Mason, Movie Collection, Volume 5, Maud, Season 4, and The Royals, Season 2. March 29th, look for Archer, Season 6. CPO Sharky, Best of, Season 2. And Death Valley Days, Season 1, Collector's Edition. And that's it for TV on DVD coming your way in March. Next on On Screen and Beyond... Time to take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD in March. <laughs> movies coming your way in March on DVD. March 1st, Creed with Sylvester Stallone will be heading your way. The Danish Girl with Eddie Redmayne. And Legend with Tom Hardy along with Miss You Already with Drew Barrymore. And The Night Before with Seth Rogen. And Look for Room with Brie Larson. March 6th, In the Heart of the Sea with... Chris Hemsworth, The Peanuts Movie, also Victor Frankenstein with Daniel Radcliffe, and March 15th, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip, and The Big Short, along with Brooklyn, Sisters with Tina Fey, and Carol with Kate Blanchett. March 22nd, Daddy's Home with Will Ferrell, and you can also get The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. March 29th, you can look for Concussion with Will Smith, The Hateful Eight with Kurt Russell, and Point Break. That's it for movies coming your way in March on DVD. Next on On Screen to Be On, it is TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, the Fox reboot of 24 called 24 Legacy will have Jimmy Schmidt in its cast playing U.S. Senator. And you can look for Nicholas Mayer, the director and co-writer of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. He has been brought on board for the new CBS Star Trek show, and that's uh, in the works right now. 
which will only be on CBS's standalone streaming service in 2017. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get a tummy ache and you moan and groan and woe, don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity birthdays on March 1st, Ron Howard turns 62, Roger Daltrey, 72, and Harry Belafonte turns 89. March 2nd, Rebel Wilson turns 35, John Bon Jovi turns 54, and it looks like Daniel Craig turns 48. March 3rd, it looks like Julie Brown turns 46. March 4th, Patricia Heaton turns 58. March 5th, it looks like Eva Mendez turns 42. And March 6th, Connie Brighton, 49. Rob Reiner, 69. That's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, it looks like Tim R. of, let's see, what is this? Provost, uh, yeah, Provost Utah is going to be turning 41 on March 4th. So happy birthday to you and to all those celebrities. And we all want to wish you a very happy birthday. If you, a friend or a relative, are having a birthday coming up, be sure to let us know at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we will all wish you a very happy birthday. And that's it for Celebrity Birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we have a great actor coming your way. Ronnie Cox will be coming your way. He was in Deliverance, one of them four guys who was out there and just, boy, what a great movie that is. Uh, Robocop, too, he was in. And Stargate SG-1, Total Recall. Apple's Way, nicest guy in the world. Then he's in movies, and he's he's the bad guy a lot of times. And, he, you know, a very good actor. I mean, he, he can switch from good to bad and all that. Love that when they can do that. And he's also a singer. A lot of people don't know that. But he's got uh, a new album out. And also, uh, he's going to be touring. And we're going to give you all that information. So stick around. Ronnie Cox is next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, we have the pleasure of having as our guest on our 400th show an actor, singer, songwriter, who we all know from his roles in Deliverance, Beverly Hills Cop, RoboCop, Total Recall, Apple's Way, and so many others. He also is an accomplished singer-songwriter who tours constantly. It's Ronnie Cox. Ronnie, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Uh, thanks, Brian. Ronnie, as I'm looking over the info about you, I didn't realize that you toured so much with your music. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Uh, I I actually uh, tour a lot. I've, I've been lucky. I've had a great career as an actor, and I love acting. Don't get me wrong, but but I love I love the music maybe even more, even though I don't make nearly as much money <laughs> playing music. And and I kept asking myself because because like I said, I I do love acting I, I, acting and music i think it's the, i can i can honestly say to you that i have never in in either of those two professions dreaded going to work 
I've always looked forward to going to work. Uh, so it's it's just they were they're things that I would do for nothing if if I didn't get paid. <laughs> and actually, pretty much that's what I'm doing now as a musician. <laughs> but anyway, the thing I, I like I said, I love acting. But the thing that I love maybe even a little bit more about the music is that nothing nothing communicates almost straight to the heart like music does. And especially the, the kind of show I do where I'm also a storyteller, where I get to use my acting chops too, that, that, that with, with acting, whether it's movies, television plays, you name it, there is and must be that imaginary fourth wall between you and the audience. Mm-hmm. With, with music, and especially this, my kind of show, there is a possibility, now it doesn't always happen, but there is a possibility of a profound one-on-one sharing that can take place. If, if, you're, if you're acting in a, in a movie, you can't step through that lens and talk to the person. You can't, you can't, you can't step off the stage in a play. Uh, and this way, uh, I, with music, and especially the story, telling the stories too, I get to be the straw that stirs the drink as well. Yeah. Now, uh, is it strictly uh, festivals and, and smaller venues that you're doing when you're doing your shows? No, no, I'll do, I, 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 I don't like great big venues uh, mm-hmm. I, because my show, like I said, my show is, my show depends to a certain extent on a certain intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and by that I mean four or five, six hundred people. I, I just don't, and, and I've played larger ones too, don't get me wrong, but it's a different kind of show. Right. The show that I like best is, actually, I, 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 I want my show to feel like, like it used to feel when we were kids, sitting around the, the kitchen or the living room or on the front porch, sharing stories and songs with our friends and family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people, that's that's what it's like for me. Yeah, people pulling out the spoons and somebody starts playing the spoons. And <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> now, uh, when you're at a venue and uh, you're, you're playing like this, obviously one of the songs that people want to hear is dueling banjos. Do you do you play that every time? I don't. As a matter of fact, I, I hardly ever play it. Really? And, and one of the reasons for that is, uh, uh, even though I'm quite well known for that, I, I you know, I'm. Uh, first of all, I don't travel with a banjo. No one in my band plays a banjo. Okay. And and also, even though I was I was hired for the movie because I play guitar and and I can play fairly well. Although I got to tell you right now. I am not a bluegrass picker, and and that's incredible bluegrass picking. But here's the thing. When we were doing that movie, and I was hired for the film because I play guitar, when we got down to Georgia, the kid that was cast, Billy Redden, mm-hmm. who's now a, a young man working in, in, in Walmart in Clayton, Georgia, but Billy couldn't play the banjo, didn't even know enough about the banjo for it to be his left hand. Wow. And so we were always going to have to pre-record the song and then, and then, uh, and then match the playback. 
And so Eric Weisberg and Steve Mandel are the two musicians that played that piece. Now, I, uh, because John Borman wanted to be able to cut to fingers actually playing the right notes, Steve Mandel, who played the guitar, taught me that piece note for note. So, so I fingered it. And if you look, go back and look at the, at the, at the, at the, the film, uh, that, that's, uh, that's actually me playing it, but that's not me on the soundtrack. I see. Okay. And, and so, so people ask me if I play it, yes. Is that me on the soundtrack? No. Did it cost me probably about a million dollars? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because he, here's the thing. Uh, when we were doing the, the, first of all, none of us thought about it being a, a big hit song. Mm-hmm. And and John Borman, the director, was not really interested in making a hit song. He kind of liked the idea that this uh, perfectly average guitar player was being shown up by this savant kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he he really didn't mind if I couldn't play it that well. But as it turns out, they got those really Joe Pro guys to play it, and, and so. Now, had I done it in the movie, we might not have had a hit, a number one hit song. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but be that as it may. Uh, yeah. Now, w- when you're out on tour like that, do you play strictly songs you've written? Or no. I, I, as a matter of fact, it's, it's, I'm one of the few singer songwriters, and although I'm a really, I think I'm a good songwriter, and and I, and and I could do. As a matter of fact, I've got shows. I'm leaving tomorrow for three shows in Texas in which I'm doing a thing that I've almost never done before. I'm doing only songs for these three shows that I've written myself. But as a matter of philosophy, up until now, I'm one of the few singer-songwriters that, as a matter of philosophy, choose to do about uh, three-quarters of my show of other people's songs, and, and and the reason for that is we're folk musicians, and and sort of my job is to expose people. I I don't do covers per se, but if I know this wonderful songwriter in North Carolina named Jonathan Bird, and you've never heard of him, and I, then it's my job to say, here, you need to listen to this song and go check out his music. Or you don't know John William Davis from Denver? Here, let me play you this song. Or you don't know Jack Williams? From from Arkansas, let me play you this song, wow. and and so that's what I do. And and I, being a storyteller and and a purveyor of songs, I'm always looking for songs that I can feel like I now. Like I said, I don't do covers per se, but if I feel like I can bring something sort of special and new and different to a a, a song, then then I'm I feel really compelled to do it. And another thing, too, if I find a song that I can weave a really good story around, then that helps me because, see, to me, in my show, the stories are equally as important as the songs. And uh, now, whether or not they're true or not, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that at another <laughs> time. Because uh, I found out a long time ago that the, the real, tr- true, honest stories, uh, sometimes the the punchline doesn't come in the right place, mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't end satisfactorily. And besides a lot, if you can't you can't improve on a story, why tell the damn thing anyway? <laughs> yeah. So it, it sounds like 
your shows are really something special because it, it, it sounds like there's a, a, a special relationship between you and the audience. Well, I, 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 I'm going to sound, this sounds really self-aggrandizing, but I'll live with that. My show is different than everybody else's. I don't know that anybody else does the same thing I do. I, my show starts as soon as they open the doors. Uh, uh, I... I if it's 500 people or, or fewer, I will have had a conversation with everybody in the audience before the show starts. Wow. So I, I do that as a matter of course. Because that's... And, and then I also... Uh, if I can talk about the, the people who run the house into doing it, I, I ask them to leave the house lights up. Now, I don't leave the house lights up so much that it makes the audience self-conscious because if, you, if, if you, the audience thinks you're looking. But I like to leave the house lights up enough so that I can see the people I'm playing for because having a shared evening is what my show is all about. And I'll tell you something that, that uh, a sort of hidden asset that I discovered about that show, uh, about doing a show that way, is that because I know most performers, most singer-songwriters, whomever, they closet themselves away to get themselves all prepared to do their show. And, mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong, we all need that time. I just do that way sooner than everybody else does. Because these people who insist on closet, closeting themselves away, whether they want to admit it or not, they're relegating themselves to starting with second-rate material. And by that I mean, now, if I've talked to the audience, when I get up on stage in the show, because the show starts just, just as a natural extension of my being in the audience, now I can do anything I want to do as soon as I get there. Now, let me give you the other side of that coin. These other people, now, don't get me wrong, their second-rate material may be way better than my first-rate material. I'll give them that. But here's the thing. They, they are relegating themselves to starting with second-rate material because they've closeted themselves away. And they're not about to start with their first. They're going to wait until they get the audience on their side, till the, till they've established a rapport. So so they're they're just not going to pull out their big stuff for a little while. Yeah. And with me for better or worse, I can start with whatever I want. Mhm. Mm yeah. That's that's that sounds great because when I've I've been to a lot of concerts and I always like the the artists who will talk to the people a little bit now some people want to just hear the music and go home but i like to hear stories so you know that's just it, it, me well well that's the other thing there's there's some artists there's some people that shouldn't talk beforehand. Right. <laughs> uh, and the problem is when you get those guys that shouldn't that do or those that that do that shouldn't <laughs> one of the other way uh and and it doesn't work for everybody there's some people they just uh, shut up and sing the songs, mm -hmm. and that's perfectly valid. It right. just doesn't yes. work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I saw on your on the uh, info that I got was that uh, you actually have a tour that you bring people to Ireland. I do. I go. I go at least once a year. Last year, I go twice a year. See what happens. People people come to my concerts, and and they they sign up. And and uh, and and it's it is actually the most wonderful 
tour. I, I, I know this sounds like I'm blowing smoke at you, but I'm not. It it, it is. It's a musical tour of Ireland. My Irish partner knows all the top, top, top Irish musicians, and I limit my group to 22 people because I want to go in small enough buses that that uh, that can get down those little Irish roads. And I go to Cork, Kerry, and Clare every, and we go every night and hear the top Irish musicians. So sometimes we have a little private concert just for us. And this is from the, this is from the equivalent, this is Christy Moore and people like that mm-hmm. that, that are playing for us. Or uh-huh. Blackie O'Connell, who's considered the, the, the finest Illin Pipes player in all of Ireland. Or, or, or John Spillane. Or, 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 you know, just the, I'm talking about Pauline Scanlon. We're talking about really the equivalent of James Taylor and <laughs> whatever here yeah. in this country. And we go every night to hear them. Now, it's a cultural tour, too. But, uh, and, but what we do every night is we go and hear this, these wonderful musicians. And the other thing about this tour is it's, it's a tour that's for people that hate tours. <laughs> in that since we go out every night, we don't start before 10 o'clock in the morning. So it's, it's not like one of those tours where you're schlepping your bags onto the bus every morning at 6 o'clock. We stay in one hotel three nights, another hotel three nights, another hotel three nights. So you're only in three hotels the whole time you're there. Mm-hmm. And we small, stay in small little family-owned hotels. So it, it's just it's a magical tour, and wow. I, I go every year. So people sign up, and you know the funny thing is it sells out like in a heartbeat. That's the reason I had to do two last year, just because so many people want to go. I'm sure. Jeez. Huh. Yeah. And, and the and thing it, is, you know the, the area, too, now, so you... I do. Plus, I also have, I have the most wonderful Irish guide that takes it, who knows everything. And, and we, it's, it's, like I said, it's, 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 a, it's a magical tour. People have, without a doubt, most people call it, call it their trip of a lifetime. And here's the funny thing about that, because now I could go to different counties, every, and I would love to, but what I found out early on is unless you go to Cork, carrying, if this is the first time you're going there to get your sort of Irish-American experience, unless you start in West Cork, Skibbereen and Cork Carey and Clare to get the, the, the that connection with with us with the with people that migrated here from the hunger and and the Irish uh, American music you have to start in those places now I I suggest people go to other places but if I'm taking somebody for the first time I will only take them to those three counties so I go to the same three counties every year and here's what's really amazing Ryan is I have eight, ten, twelve people that go on that trip, that same trip, multiple times. Hmm, I'm sure. They, they go one year, they sign up and go again the next year. They sign up and go again the next year. See, so it's like That's old friends. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that really sounds great. Uh, it, 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 and this year, I, I'm so. I, 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 my my granddaughter, who is 14, but by the time we go to Ireland this summer, she will be 15, and uh, I'm taking my my granddaughter with me this year to give her the Irish experience. Wow! And, and what's was... even better than that? She and I are 
she and I are taking Irish dancing lessons just so we can learn not not the river dance kind of dances, <laughs> the the Cayley dance. You know, it's more like square dancing that that we do here. Okay. It's Irish dancing. Yeah, I'm uh, just having the greatest time in the world. Wow, and you know. I, I know you're an actor, and you, you you could be fooling me for you know, and I wouldn't even know it because you're such a good actor. But but I can hear it in your voice. You really, really seem to enjoy this. I do indeed. It, it, I tell you the truth. I, you know, I, I never feel more alive and vital than when I'm doing the music or or act. I still act some. I, it, it's just that these days. Uh, in all honesty, I, like I said, I've had a really great career. And and I I find myself turning down about ninety percent of the stuff I'm offered. And you know what's funny about that? Because it's so hard. We all know how hard it is to get acting jobs these days. And I don't know why I didn't find this out a long time ago. Once I made this decision about eight or ten years ago, not, I I thought people would just forget I was around. Now I get more offers than ever. <laughs> I found out the most powerful negotiating tool in Hollywood is no. <laughs> they call you no waiting for this. No, I don't want it. What do you mean no? What do you mean? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Well, it's it's you know now now it's become you know it's rare that you're doing stuff, so they want you even more. <laughs> Yes. Well, and that's the other thing. I try explaining this to, to, to Hollywood people. Uh, see, I, I made a life decision a few years ago that, that I won't let any movie or television show interfere with any uh, musical gig that I, that I already have booked. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, most actors who also play music have an escape clause. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, they, 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 that if they get a big fancy movie, you've got to let them out. Right. I have the opposite. I won't, I won't let any, uh, anything interfere. And, and as a, I, I, I just tell you this, I, I was supposed to be in a big movie with them with Kevin Costner a couple of years ago, and, and I had actually uh, agreed to do the movie, and, and we actually signed the contract, but, but we had established ahead of time what my dates were, and my dates were all clear, and I already signed the contract and had wardrobe fittings and everything, then they called me up, and they said, uh, Ronnie, we've had to change the dates, and I said, to what? And, and they told me, and it would have been the very night that I was perform at the the Kerrville Folk Festival in Texas. And and so I said, well, I can't do it. Try explaining that to Hollywood people. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I did get one really good line out of it, because pretty soon they called me up and and they said, said, well, how much are they paying you for that damn folk music gig? (laughs) And I said, I think I've got more money in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jeez, yeah, yeah they, I'm sure they couldn't understand that because it's like, what? <laughs> Jeez. Huh, that's, that's uh, I mean, that, that's really something special that you would do that because, like you say, most people would just say, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, well, that's, that's the other thing. Uh, it, I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I have enough money... To, that, uh, and so I, I get to choose what it is that gives me pleasure, and mm-hmm. and I, I don't it, it 
I, I just encourage everybody to, to find a profession that they love doing and, 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 and then go for that. Yeah. We'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. Now, I noticed that your first album came out in 1993, and then there was like a big span, <clears throat> excuse me, until the 2000s. Then all of a sudden, you started releasing quite a bit more often. Um, now, before 93, were you still doing music at that time, or was that sort of in the background? It totally in the background. I, you know, there for a while, I was in every movie made. Right, yeah. Uh, and 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 oddly enough, as long as I, my son John, my youngest son John, uh, was, as long as he was home playing music with me, I had a, an outlet for my music. I was always playing music. You know, I I, I started I was cutting records when I was in high school, and I, I played music my help. But 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 I was hardly playing music at all there for a long time. But when John left home and went away to, to college. I, I, I you, you hear about women, wives, mothers who suffer from the empty nest syndrome. Well, I'm not saying Mary didn't suffer from that, but I don't think she suffered nearly as much as I did. <laughs> <laughs> when John left home, I, I no longer had anyone to play music with me, and I and I realized how much I missed it. And I also did, I did a, a I did a, a television, a failed television series that that. That right, a year or so before that, that that made me realize even more how much I missed the music. I did a show called Cop Rock. I don't know if you remember. Yes, it. in fact, it's coming out on DVD. It is, and and I got to tell you, all of us that worked on that, I, I, I mean, it was miserable flop. But I have <laughs> never enjoyed working on a show. The learning curve at that time it was straight up. It was a miserable failure. And we had a guarantee of 13 on the air, and we did 11. They said, we'll pay you not to do the last two. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but it's the only time in, in movies and television, because there were like 15 of us that were regulars on there. Mm -hmm. yep. It was the only time I've ever been involved in a movie or television show where I went to work every day, whether I was called or not. Wow. I would just go in it because, and it was, and some days it was like watching a train wreck. <laughs> but, but, but so, so when the when that closed, I turned to Mary and I, I and so uh, I I didn't know where the folk music community was, and so the only place I knew to go was Nashville. So I went to Nashville and managed to get a a country deal for Mercury Records. Now I'm not a country artist, and and but and and even though the album came out and got really good reviews, it, it did zero business, and I was only a country artist for a really short time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it took me another four or five years to find the folk music community, and then and that's the the, the that that uh, pause in there between my records and stuff. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you were a kid, were you into music and acting at the same time, or was you know did one come before the other? Yeah, I, when I was I can, I can I can tell you the day that that I that I realized I won. I was about twelve years old, and I went to see. I used to go to all the Western movies every Saturday afternoon, as mm -hmm. we all did. Most of them were Gene Autry and Roy Rogers and Johnny McBrown and and Cisco 
kid and yes, pop yeah. on casting and stuff like that. But, but when I was about 12, I went to see a film called The Treasure of Sierra Madre that was, of course, directed by John Huston. Yes. And, yeah. and from that moment on, I know that sounds really dramatic, but from that moment on, I knew I wanted to be an actor. And you'd think that I would be, become a fan of Humphrey Bogart or, or Tim Holt or one of those actors, but I didn't. I became a fan of John Huston. And so from, from all the way through high school in Portales, New Mexico, I would, uh, people would say, I would say, oh, look at one of these days, you'll look up your local movie screen and you'll see, oh, there's Ronnie, I used to know him. And everybody always poo-pooed it. But literally, that's all I ever wanted to do, that and play music. Because when I was in high school, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but where I grew up in Portales, New Mexico, during the late 50s and early 60s, Clovis, New Mexico, which was 19 miles away, was a hotbed of recording. Really? And I was actually around when, when Buddy Holly cut Peggy Sue. It, it, and, and when Jimmy Bowen and Buddy Knox were doing Party Doll, and I'm sticking with you, remember the Fireballs? Mm -hmm. Remember Sugar Shack? Oh, yes, yeah. Those were all cut there. Oh, so okay. Norman Petty saw a group I was with uh, when I was in high school and hired us to sing backup. So I, I was singing backup on records when I was in high school. And then I had a, I had a rock and roll band back in those days, Ron's Rockouts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I put myself through college with, a, with, a, with, with my rock and roll band, and then that's about when the folk music scare hit. And by that time, Mary and I were back on the East Coast. She was working on her Ph.D. at Georgetown. And I, st I started my, my acting career at Arena Stage in Washington. But I was also playing at the Cellar Door and at Mr. Henry's. And so all the time I was struggling as an actor, I was also sort of struggling as a musician, too. And and you know I got deliverance because I partly because I could play it was instrumental pun intended <laughs> in my getting the job and, and then my my second big film was a film called Bound for Glory or the Woody Guthrie film mm -hmm. where I picked in and my first television series was a show Apple's Way yes. where I picked and sang a song every week so early in my career everybody knew that I was this actor from New Mexico who also played music. But then I, then I, I was in all of those big hit films <laughs> where I played generally men of authority. Yes. Uh, you know, the Beverly Hills Cop or Robocop or Total Recall or Murder at 1600. Uh, you know, I, uh, mostly guys, corporate guys in shirts and ties. And, and uh, so now... Oftentimes, when people see me with a guitar in my hand, it, it sort of messes with their mind. <laughs> well, you mentioned Apple's Way. Uh, the show lasted, what, a year season, I think it was, or something like that? Yeah, it was a mid-season replacement of the first season, and then it went a little bit over. So it was a little bit more than one season, but it wasn't a season and a half. Yeah, because I remember you in that, and... and you know, you were the nicest guy. <laughs> and See, that, that's the other thing. Uh, what people don't realize, because Apple, George Apple was everybody's ideal father. Right. <laughs> he, he was just a, a, the, and, 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 and for, for the next 
oh, eight or ten years, I only got to play those kind of roles. Mm-hmm. If, if a role had any sort of blood and guts to it or any sort of hard edge, I never got it because I was known, back in those days, it's what's known as a, quote, soft actor. Mm-hmm. And if you're a soft actor, that means that you, that you play sensitivity. And I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that I can play sensitive. But, but sensitivity gets, or did in those days especially, gets equated with weak. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so I played Mr. Boy Scout Nice Guy. So in many ways... RoboCop was as big a boon to my career as anything that came before because all of a sudden from being this guy that was Mr. Boy Scout nice guy to getting to play this other guy, now all of a sudden I got offered everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because c- there literally was a time there where I was in every movie made. I, I went five years w- with, w- without a a. a, a a, a day that I didn't have a job. Not that I worked every day, but I, I was just busy all the time. Right, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, that's, to me, that shows a true actor. Uh, somebody who can play the nicest guy in the world, and we believe it, and then you play a, a person who we just want to strangle because <laughs> you're so cruel and mean, and, and that's a great actor. And I love playing those guys. Those guys are the most fun to play. Really? The play, playing, I mean, we try to be a good person every moment of our lives, yeah. <laughs> but, and that's boring. Right. Uh, I mean, I liken it to painting. It's, it, if you're the good guy, you get three colors. Red, white, and blue. If you're the bad guy, you get the whole palette. Right. And, and we all know the most interesting characters are always the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite character that you played? I, I don't. I, it, it, I, it's like taking a favorite child, although there are several that I can name. I, I, I loved playing the guy in Dexter. Yes, okay. Uh, the Tooth Fairy. Mm-hmm. I, I, he was fun to play. It, those kind of guys. I, I, I love playing Dick Jones, Cohagen, you know, those guys. But, mm-hmm. but, but, every, but in some ways, they're sort of easier to play because it's easy to figure out. See, that's the, that's the mistake most actors make when they're playing bad guys. They try to figure out all the bad things about the character. And it's exactly the wrong way to go. When I'm playing a bad guy, I look for all the good things about the character. Hmm. Because bad guys never think they're bad. Right, yeah. They think if everybody just knew the shit they knew, that they could get this worked out. And so the the, the real harder part is, because when I'm playing guys like George Apple and those really good guys, now I'm looking for every little rough edge of that character to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, in Deliverance, was that a, a very physical move? I mean, it looked physical, but, you know, with the magic of uh, film, we never know well, if anything it, was. It's the most physical film that anyone's ever done. I don't know if you know this or not. You know, I've written a, a book on the making of Deliverance. Yes, yeah. And, and, uh, and not only was it my first film, it was my first time in front of a camera. Ned Beatty's first film, too. Most people don't know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And Ned and I were cast completely independently of each other. Uh, they didn't know. And we'd already done like 20 plays together. 
<laughs> and had been friends for a, for, for a number of years. Oh, okay. But, no, when we got deliverance, maybe the, for the first time ever, and I'm not sure it's ever been done since, we shot that film in sequence, and we shot that film, and we did all of the canoeing ourselves. Hmm. There's not a stuntman in that any place. Even through the, the rapids and everything? All of that. That's wow. all us. Wow. That's all us. Hmm. That's that had to be very physical. <laughs> it was. John Voight and I wrecked eight canoes, broke one right in half. Jeez. You remember that that, that shot at the in where they find half a canoe uh, uh, that they have on the car out there that they found in the film. Okay. Y yeah, they didn't have to do that. We did that for them. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh boy, that I mean that was a. That was an amazing movie. I remember that when I mean it's been a long time since I've seen it. Well, but it, and go back and look at the way it's shot because see it was so sensational when it first came out because of the rape scene and mm -hmm. and because of something that people almost missed the artistic excellence. It's only when been within the last ten years or so that people have realized what a masterpiece it was in terms of of, of the way it was shot. Go back and, and look at that film, but instead of the traditional way films are shot, and I didn't know any better at the time, there's none of this of setting up the master shot and then close up and two shot and this. The way John Borman and Vilma Sigmund did that, the, 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 those scenes are all choreographed so that they all work within one camera shot. Hmm. It's, it's amazing stuff. Yeah. Wow. And being being a film buff like you are, do yourself a, uh, for the 40th anniversary. Warner Brothers came out with a new Blu-ray edition of that, and it looks even better than the original, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it's worthwhile to go and see that because it re and and they put in a whole bunch of uh, new uh, interviews with a whole bunch of us. They put a chapter of my book in it too, but but it really I, I would recommend that it's it's really pretty special. Yeah, I'm going to pick up your book, too, because that sounds like it uh, has a lot of inside information on it. Uh, I, I'll get, what I would like, I'd prefer, I'll get Barb to, to yeah, send Barb, I guess she has your uh, physical address, does she? No, she has, my, she has my email. Get, get a physical address for Barb. And I will I will send you a copy of the audio book, which I think is even better than the than the because what happened when I wrote the book, uh, I didn't write it in, in the traditional sense. I dictated the book because I always intended the book to be uh, a, a book of oral stories. I wanted it to feel like you and I were sitting around having a beer or a cup of coffee, and I was telling the stories. And as you know. Oral stories are completely different than written stories. Right. Yeah. And so when I was telling the stories, a lot of times there's a lot of sort of oral stories has a certain amount of thumpering around. Sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it's not. But just to sort of make a, you know, to make it feel more like a story. And, 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 and there's also a certain amount of repetition that happens in an oral story. The repetition doesn't, hurt, doesn't bother the listener so much as it bothers a reader. If, if you've already read something, you say, oh, yeah, he's already said that. So Barb, who edited my book, would go through and would take out some of those things. But the more we sort of took out those things, the more it felt like I was losing my voice.
Hmm. So what I did is I went back in and I told the stories and I did my best to make it sound as though they weren't read. And it's so much more satisfying to me. So, uh-huh. so get a, a physical address for Barb and I'll send you, it, it's a short little book. It's, it's three CDs. I see it, yeah, yeah. And I'll send it to you. Okay, great. That, that'd be great. So, now, your, your, your music, you have a new CD out. Now, it's, I know it's not completely yours, but you have a new CD out that uh, you're, you're, you have a song on? Yeah. And what's the name of that one? Well, the, 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 I guess the latest song, you know, my, my partner and I, we've just written a song about the new political. Are you on Facebook at all? Yes. Go to, go to my page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. My friend and I have just put, we've done a song called Trumped. I saw that in your in your either in your blog or your uh, um, on your website. I saw the the you were talking about that. Yeah, there's that. There's there's another song. There's I wrote a song about. So that's that's just sort of satire. Mm-hmm, yep. But I have you know I was telling you about the, the, the I go to Ireland every year and and uh, in Ireland Skibbereen during the hunger. Um, the, the 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 primary clan at that time in in Skibbereen were the McCarthys, and a couple of years ago, I took a young man from Tennessee with me on on one of my tours to Ireland, and his name happened to be Sean McCarthy, and he and he had no idea of what his sort of heritage was, and he got over there and and sort of seeing this, you know, because. They, Skibbereen, the, the, the Ireland lost one half of their population, one quarter to starvation, one quarter to migration, and so, so I, I wrote a song about this uh, this guy visiting the graveyard in Skibbereen. It's called Sean McCarthy, and mm-hmm. I'm really kind of proud of that. I think that's on my website too. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Give that a listen. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it sounds like like you you've got so much going on. Even though even though we miss you at acting, believe me. <laughs> well, I, I'm being offered a, a, a leading role in in a, in a little movie now, and it's actually a little movie that's got some some music in it. And if if they can if they can get the the script right, I might do it. Uh, it's it's. It's kind of a, an interesting project if we can get the script right. I see. Yeah. And uh, at the moment, I, I mean, we've gone through a couple of the original concept I liked, and then and then I the the, the guy sent me the rewrite, and I hated the rewrite, <laughs> and so I gave him a whole bunch of notes, and 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 I just heard from him over the weekend that he that the rewrites are going well, and he hopes to have a new script to me within a week or two, and, and then we'll see. Hmm. And then I'm 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 supposed to be a semi regular on a on a uh, a show on FX. Um, did you ever see a show called Married? Married. Uh, I'm trying to think who's in that. Uh, I I know I've heard of it. Yes, I haven't watched it. No. Nor have I. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm being offered a, a sort of. Uh, I won't. I won't be 
a, a regular on a television series anymore, but they're they're offer, you know the difference between a regular and a recurring role, right? right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And the, the great thing about a recurring role is that they always have to work at your convenience. I see. Okay. Yep. As opposed, see, if if you're a regular, then they own you. Right, <laughs> and you you have to go and and I won't. But if you're a recurring character, then they call you up and say, "Okay, Ronnie, you're gonna do da da da," and then you say, "No, I'm not available." And so then they have to they have to work at your schedule. I see. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, Ronnie, I. I, I, I think I've talked you out, haven't I? Well, I, I'm so amazed at, at your stories, and I because I love hearing it, and everybody who listens to our show loves hearing stories too. And you have so many, and I'm sure you have so many more that we could talk about. But <laughs> but um, I do want to finish up with two final questions, and these are the questions that everybody tells me it's the toughest ones. So I'm going to finish up with these two. But before I go into that, I just want to mention one thing: is that so? If somebody wants to get you in a movie, if they wrote a movie about an American singer who goes to Ireland and plays music in the film, you would probably take that. I probably would. <laughs> but uh, so for the final questions, when you sit back and relax, and you watch TV. What are your favorite TV shows now and of the past, and what's your favorite movies now and of the past? I'm going to give you an, a, 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 an answer that you, you're totally not going to expect. <laughs> I don't, I don't watch much television anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that that's not uncommon. And I don't watch movies anymore. And I, and, and let me explain that to you. Uh, I I'm a member of the Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, very proud member of the academy for years was on the foreign uh, film committee uh, and my wife mary you you don't you know nothing about mary but mary mary and i mary and i were either married engaged going together since she was 11 and i was 14 and when i lost mary 9 years ago Mary and I used to see every movie made. Wow! And and uh, I mean, you you would not want to play trivia with me uh, <laughs> over because I I literally saw every movie made. And 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 but here's the thing: the joy, the absolute joy of movies is having someone to discuss them with. And so Mary and I used to see all on during this period of time when the people during Academy Award time we sometimes we would see five or six films a day mm -hmm. and but since Mary's death I, and they send me all the films obviously right I no longer watch them mm -hmm. I, I I've stopped voting in the Academy the only films I see are films that I see with my granddaughter so I've seen kids films mm-hmm but I, but I don't. I, I miss having. Plus, Mary was the most intelligent human being I've ever known, and having her here to discuss the films with me meant the world to me. Yeah. And not now that I don't have her, I don't watch movies that much. Yeah, and I, and I wanted to mention too uh, that uh, it's so unusual. Uh, that people 
have such a long relationship in when somebody's in Hollywood. And I think that's very admirable that that you were you were married so long and were together so long. Yeah, uh, we were high school sweethearts. Yeah, that's that's uh, great. And here's the funny thing about that: our first son, Brian, was born when Mary was still 19, and Mary still managed to get a Ph.D. in chemistry from Georgetown University, wow. a four-year postdoctoral fellowship with Sloan Kettering in New York. Uh, so we're talking about a really, really, really brilliant woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as movies, you don't watch them now, but do you have a favorite movie from the past? Yeah, there's several. Uh, uh, I loved Ordinary People. Yes, okay. I loved The Man Who Would Be King. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. There's so many really good. I, I, I love films. I love Treasure Sierra Madre. All all of John Huston's films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Ronnie, as I said in the introduction, this is our 400th episode, and uh, I am so glad that we had you on here as our 400th show guest because uh, having you here it was so interesting to hear you talk. And I thank you so much for taking the time, and I wish you luck with your music and your trips to Ireland that you're having and going to have. And uh, thank you very much. You bet. Thank you, Brian. A big thank you going out to Ronnie Cox for joining us here on our 400th episode of On Screen and Beyond, Deliverance, RoboCop, so many different things he's been in, so many different characters he's played over the years. And I want to thank him so much for sharing that and his music with us. And uh, be sure to check it out, if you're in, especially if you're going to be out in Ireland or if you're going to travel with him. You can go and travel with him. That would be a great thing, too. So, anyways, uh, if you have a suggestion for a guest, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'll see what we can do about getting that person in. People have been sending some suggestions in, and uh, we're doing what we can to figure out how we can connect with these people. Sometimes can't connect with them, but uh, uh, we're, we're trying. So uh, keep sending them in, and we'll see what we can do. Well, that's it. If you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you are on iTunes, leave us a review over there and let more people know about On Screen and Beyond. we got some more great guests coming your way. And I'm going to be doing a little traveling here, going uh, out to different areas. Uh, so uh, I'll be away. I might have the show come in a little a day late or something like that. So uh, be, be aware of that. But uh, I've got a couple of things going on in the month of March while I'll be traveling, so we got to make sure that uh, we get those episodes out for you. So they might be a little bit early, or they might be a little bit late. So uh, be sure to check in at onscreenandbeyond.com or go to iTunes, and you can find it then. Just subscribe at iTunes, and it'll come right to you automatically. So that's it. That's a wrap for this week. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 